Upper Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit UpperInFrisco.com. I, uh, my name is Kevin Tips. Like uh, Casey said, I am uh, on the executive team in Upper Room in Dallas and have been uh, there since 2012. Um, and so I've shared my story a lot, but um, just briefly, I uh, a- a- arrived really uh, kind of after a six month season of rebellion where I had really run hard after all sorts of mess. I, I kind of joke and say I was on the Hot Mess Express and I had a radical encounter with Jesus um, where he left the 99 and came after me. Um, and it was powerful and holy and kind of seared me right side up. And um, so I was madly in love with Jesus, but I had a lot of church hurt. So I was like not super eager to go to church. Um, and so after a couple months of rediscovering Jesus by reading through the Gospels, he spoke to me one day and said, Kev, you can't grow outside of my body. Bones need bones. Amen? And uh, I was like, well, if you want me to go to church, you're going to have to show me the right one because I just don't want to do regular sit, sing for 20 minutes, hear 20 minutes of message, go home. I, I can't do that. I want your presence. And I didn't have a grid for church um, around his presence. And so, um, odd story, but I was at North Park Center in Dallas, and um, this man, you know, there's a big fountain outside of Dillard's, if you've been there. Anyway, I'm in Frisco. I don't know. Um, but there's a big fountain outside of the Dillard's, and I was walking past the fountain, and this old guy, I'd never seen him before, and I've never seen him since. I don't know if he was human or angel. I have no idea. But he was like, young man, I've been waiting for you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he goes, there's a watering hole in the city. It's called the upper room, and you're meant to go. And uh, I was like, all right, whatever, weirdo. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and so um, later that week, uh, three other instances very similar, either running into someone I had not seen in a long time or, um, or new people that I'd never met before all told me about this place, the upper room. And so in I walked, and I was um, just blown away by the Lord that initial Sunday, and I got in my car after that service and sat and um, in many ways heard things that I deeply believed to be true, but didn't know how to articulate yet uh, about prayer as relationship um, and that the presence of God is our portion and our pursuit. And I got in my car after that service and I just wept for like 20 minutes. I couldn't even drive. And I was like, thank you. I found my family, you know? And so um, anyway, but I love your pastors. I've known Jeremy and Ashley for a very long time. Um, They are not just amazing leaders. They're some of my favorite people. Um, I, man, Jeremy's like revelatory. I feel like anytime I talk to him, he says something that I'm like, well, it's a quote, like put that in a book. He just drops these nuggets that I'm like, are you kidding? Where does this come from? Um, but he is just such a tender hearted leader. He carries you in his heart so faithfully. Um, Ashley cares so deeply about family and community and people being safe to be in process. And they're just wonderful pastors. They're wonderful people. Um, they cook amazing, well, Ashley cooks amazing Mexican food. Um, and so I just love them, and it's a joy. It's a joy to be here. Um, so I feel like, Rafi, uh, I feel like you got my notes somehow when you did, like, song selection, because um, I just want to talk about the simple love of God. Um, you know, we are doing 
uh, NT24. I don't know if you guys are doing that up here or not. Yeah? It's a lot of Bible, um, <laughs> which is great, but whoa. Um, anyone else putting on the audio Bible and just like doing like double speed? <laughs> it's like, like, my spirit's catching it. It's my spirit is catching it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't engage the scripture that way. I'm like low, slow, like munch and chew. I'm like a cow with cud, you know? And so this is like, oh my gosh, it's a lot of Bible. Um, and so, but actually uh, the scripture that I felt led um, to speak from, in fact, we would have read through yesterday um, in Second Peter. Um, I think there's a lot of, there can be, a lot of pressure um, because of the amount of revelation and amazing teaching, the accessibility of it in the world that we live in today. There's this pressure sometimes to feel like you need to have something new or to have a new spin on an old thing or a new revelation. Um, And I'm not going to bring any of that. What I'm going to bring is the simple reminder that God is gracious that peace is our portion, and that we get to partake in his nature, Um, that God is a God of all grace. And I don't know of any other thing about the Lord that is most forged in my heart and most transformed my life than the fact that he is a God of grace. The grace of God has absolutely changed my life. Um, and so we're going to look at grace. We're going to look at peace. And we're going to look at what it means to be conformed into the image as we receive it from him and um, give it back to him. Um, a little bit of context quickly in terms of the book, Second uh, Peter. So, <clears throat> um, so a little context quickly on uh, the book, Second Peter. So uh, this is uh, the second letter that Peter wrote um, to not a specific church, but to uh, a group of churches. This uh, letter would have been circulated to many different church communities throughout Asia Minor, which is basically like modern-day Turkey-ish. And the um, moment in Peter's life when this book was being written was in between his uh, trial, which had happened in Rome, um, and before his execution. So he's basically awaiting to die. He knows based on the circumstances that that's going to happen, but also because of the prophetic word that Jesus gave him that he would be led someplace that he didn't want to go, you know? Um, And he mentions that actually later in this book. And so as we read through um, 2 Peter, what we see is basically Peter's kind of dying words. It's his last manifesto. And um, you would think that, um, you know, there'd be so much to try to unlock. You know, I've only got so much time left. And yet, in the book, he really goes back to the simple basics, the very beginnings of the grace of God and what it means to be partakers and sharers of that same grace and peace. Um, And so as we read through this, this is what mattered to Peter most, to convey to a church that in Asia Minor was um, a couple of things were going on that in some ways are kind of similar to what's uh, our current climate. Um, They were uh, under persecution, but not nearly as bad as what was going on in Rome. Uh, In Rome, Nero was just having a heyday, doing all sorts of weird stuff to Christians. Um, In Asia Minor, they were under persecution, but it was more in the form of kind of cultural pressures or cultural rubs that were happening. Um, 
not so much overt, like hardcore persecution like they were seeing in Rome. Um, but also what was beginning to happen is that people were coming in with false doctrines and false teachings, claiming things that weren't true and deceiving people. And so similarly, in, in our context, we're encountering some of those same things as our culture in this country specifically is shifting where we're turning away from um, so many of the values and beliefs that were central to our origin and we're you know, beginning to find that we um, are less and less of a majority, right? We are becoming the minority as people who love Jesus and follow him. Um, and likewise, um, there's all sorts of weird stuff that is beginning to infiltrate the church. There is so much confusion. There's so much misinformation as the culture is beginning to inform the church instead of the church informing the culture. Um, and so it's imperative um, that we glean from the writing of Peter here. You know, <clears throat> something that... Um, when I first came to Upper Room, uh, I grew up Lutheran, and so <laughs> the Upper Room was not, like, that was, like, totally different. Um, and so there was a lot of things that I was very unfamiliar with in terms of expression and worship and the power of the Spirit. And, um, and so in those days, um, when the Lord would show up, man, people would shake, like, violently shake under the presence of God. And I thought that was so weird. And I was like, that is weird. I do not want that to happen to me. I do not want to shake. Why? Because I cared way too much about how I looked and how things appeared. And praise God, I don't anymore. <laughs> but uh, at the time, I did. And, um, uh, but then suddenly, one day, God, in his <laughs> humor, uh, decided it was fit to not only undo me, but to undo me publicly uh, on a patio of a restaurant on Knox Henderson that was packed. Uh, I was there with a bunch of other upper rumors, and this girl came up to me, and she said, hey, I know you've been around for a couple weeks, and I just want to pray for you. I feel like the Lord wants to give you a gift. And I'm like, okay. Praise for me. Down I go. People thought I was having a seizure. I had to be carried out, driven home, carried up, dropped off at my front door, stuck on the floor for two hours, dogs in the pen. I'm going, God, get off me. I got to let my dog out. <laughs> my friend just leaves me there and goes, uh, the more you fight him, the longer he's going to wrestle with you. <laughs> just surrender. And I'm like, ah! You know, <clears throat> but he was shaking the stiff-neckedness off of me. Um, <clears throat> but I was <laughs> in that season. I was shaking a lot, and I would be prophesying, and you know, from the front or whatever, giving prophetic words. And <laughs> all of a sudden, I'd, I'd feel the presence of God coming, and I'd go, "Oh no, here it goes!" And I just, ah, you know, start shaking, crying. I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, "I'm so sorry. I don't know what's happening." Uh, it was bizarre. Um, but I was talking to the Lord about it one day. I was like, "God, why? Why the shaking?" Like, why? I don't understand. It's so weird. Why does it have to be so weird? And what the Lord told me was this, and take it or leave it. But he said, Kevin, I'm shaking my church before I shake the earth so that when the earth shakes, my people stand. And I, I want to propose to you that the manner in which we will shine as Paul says, like stars in the universe holding out the words of life, will be because in the midst of pressure, persecution, cultural shaking, environmental shaking, whatever, that we will be a people who stand, who somehow abide 
not unaware of or sometimes impacted by that shaking, but standing firm, secure, and established because we are rooted in the grace of God and filled with the very peace of God. And I don't think there's anything that will make us shine more in the days that are coming than to be people saturated with grace and peace. I think people are going to flock to us because that will be so absent in the world at large. Um, All right, if you want to open your Bibles to 2 Peter, uh, we'll start in verse 1. Simeon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace is yours in abundance (laughs) in the knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become sharers of the divine nature. Wow. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, or sisterly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's become blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. It's a huge statement. For in this way, there will be rich, you will be richly provided Sorry, no. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. God of all grace, Prince of Peace, we ask you, Lord, by the power of your word alone, would you unlock and open our eyes to see the beauty of the grace that we now stand in. Lord, I ask you that your peace would expand and explode on your people today, that those that are weary and heavy laden, those who have been trapped by the lies of religion, that those who are facing trial and tribulation would leave this place strengthened with might on the inside through the revelation and the reception of your grace and peace. Lord, thank you that it is not simply available, but you say it's ours in abundance, that it's already here, that it's already been given. Teach us to apprehend it. I ask you, Lord, would your love be magnified here to each and every one of us, Jesus. We thank you for your presence. 
And if you are willing, if you just open your hands and we just make ourselves available to you, Lord, I need your help. Help me. Would you put grace on my words, Lord, so that they're not just, it's not information, but it's an impartation of the very presence of the one I'm speaking of. Would you flood our minds and renew them by your truth? Would you flood our hearts and set us free, Lord? Would you awaken our senses, our sight, our smell, our, ear, our hearing, our physical bodies to discern that you are so close. You are here in the midst of us, and we thank you. We thank you for being here. We love you. We bless you. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so verse 2. Grace and peace are yours in abundance because of the knowledge of God. Um, that word knowledge is not simply gnosis. It's the same word for knowledge used in Ephesians 3 when it says that you would know the love of Christ which transcends knowledge. The first no is gnosis, it's information. The second no is gnosko, it is um, experiential knowledge. But in fact, when knowledge is used in Second uh, Peter, um, every time there's EPI added before gnosko, which basically intensifies the relational aspect of the knowledge. It's like a big exclamation point of, it's not just experiential, but it's deeply relationally intimate knowledge. So it's through intimately knowing God that grace and peace abound, which gives me so much hunger that we never get to say that we've arrived. May the Lord God himself deliver us from the deception of, oh yeah, I know that. Oh yeah, I got that. I know. What, what else? Oh, yeah, still, we're talking about the cross. What else? Man, may we be a people who drill deep into the experiential knowledge of God, never thinking we've exhausted something about him, but always letting the fact that there's more of him to apprehend and more of him that's available, even of the things that we've been sitting and meditating and munching on for decades, there's still more. Inexhaustible riches is what the scriptures says. Mysteries upon mysteries upon mysteries that we get to steward. Man, there's so much more. I, yeah, yeah, it is, um, you know, like, <sighs> is there anything worse than a bored Christian? Like, really? There's nothing more sad than a bored Christian. I'm like, go rebel or something. Go, go have some fun or something. What? Why? Like, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light, given unadulterated access to have as much of God as we want, to receive love over and over and over again to allow God to speak to the very core of who we are in our weakness, in our fragility, in our pain, in our suffering, in our successes and our triumphs to give meaning and richness and depth and beauty to our lives that the world can't even understand. There's so much in him. I love the mystery of the scripture 
man, as, you, as we read through it and things, I pray the Bible. And so that's just my language. That's just how I've learned to pray. And uh, when I was learning this, I was praying through the book of Ephesians. And I prayed through that book for like an entire year, just verse by verse, you know, just praying through the book. And I think it was like on, I don't know, month eight or something, that all of a sudden I saw something. I remember it so distinctly in, in Ephesians 3. I saw something that I had prayed through a thousand times over again, but had never seen before. That we, together with all the saints, apprehend. And I thought, oh my gosh. Anyway, it was a whole thing. And I thought, man, what, a, what power is in this inspired book that we can read it and see a verse a bajillion times and all of a sudden, the Spirit blows upon it, and it hits us like we've never seen it before. It's like, like landmines, but they don't like destroy you. They like build you up, you know? <laughs> it's like cupcakes. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <clears throat> and so anyway, uh, back to grace. Okay, so grace and peace. I want to talk about these two words for a minute. You know, um, in, in the Greco-Roman world, um, the common greeting in a letter would be Karen. Um, and that is kind of shares the same root as charis, which is what's translated as grace most often in the scripture. And so it's interesting. I discovered something actually um, as I was preparing for this message that I had never heard before. And so Peter uses charis instead of karen, something familiar to a Greek or Roman, but something distinctly different, right? Um, karen just means uh, essentially like to the pleasure of. It's kind of like, it was like, the first century version of Chick-fil-A, right? Like our pleasure, you know, it's like to the pleasure of where charis is grace. Uh, uh, The word peace is Irene or um, where we get the word or the name Irene Um, and it's peace and it's the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew notion of shalom. It's not simply the absence of everything bad, it's the presence of all goodness, right? Which we'll get there in a little bit. (laughs) Just buckle up. Anyway, and so... (laughs) So it's so interesting that in this phrase, which we see in the epistles all over, grace and peace are yours in abundance, or grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that over and over again, that actually it was charis, which would have been something familiar to the Greek, and Irene, which would have been a similar concept for the Jew. And so he was speaking to the Gentile and the Jew in a way that they both recognized, but that was distinctly different. Why? Because they were now one new man in Christ. So I just thought that was cool and wanted to geek out and and share that with you. Um, So let's talk about grace, right? What is grace? Um, Charis is the Greek word, and it's most often translated as grace in the New Testament. But there is no simple English translation for that word. There's no English word that can even do it justice because of its rich, layered, textured definition. Um, There's a Bible scholar, um, what was his name? Uh, I I have to write it down phonically because it's hard to pronounce. Spiros Zodiades, which sounds like a guy that lived in the cave in the first century, but he was actually a Bible nerd in the 70s. So that's kind of cool. Anyway, his definition of grace I love. Uh, He wrote it this way, charis means this, grace, particularly that which causes joy, (laughs) pleasure, gratification, favor, and acceptance, a kindness granted and a kindness desired, a benefit, thanks, gratitude. Charis is favor extended without expectation of return. 
the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to mankind, finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. It is unearned and unmerited favor. Grace is a gift, we know this, but man, it is easy to forget it. It is easy to forget that with the Christian life, all is a gift. I think it was Brennan Manning that said that, that all is a gift. And it is absolutely true. Our progress, our sanctification, our wholeness, our holiness, our joy, our righteousness, all freely given to us, overflowing from the bountiful heart of a generous, loving Father who simply enjoys the expression of the gift with no contingencies on how it's received or if it's rejected. He simply gives because that's who he is. Um, Sometimes when I hear people talk about grace, they talk about it almost in a way that's like the absence of punishment, right? But that's not grace, that's mercy. And we've received that too, praise God. But grace is not the absence of punishment. It's the presence of pleasure. Grace is not the absence of punishment. It's not simply being tolerated by God. Grace is the presence of his sheer free delight in you not based on you, not based on your performance, not contingent on your obedience, not founded on your striving and your spiritual disciplines and your Bible reading plan. It is a delight that originates in God, flows from God, and is simply given freely to you as his son or daughter. This is where we stand. This would be a question that I would ask you as you sit in this seat today. Are you aware of that pleasure? Can you feel the pleasure of God? And if not, something's lying to you. Because he delights in you. This is the scandal of grace. Grace is power. Divine empowerment. But I want to propose to you kind of my little way of looking at grace. I'll tell you a story. Um, This is going to be vulnerable. Don't judge me today by a story that I'm telling from forever ago. Okay? Agreed? Okay, good. Um, So like I mentioned, I encountered the Lord. I fell in love with Jesus. I was pursuing the Lord um, wholeheartedly. Um, And my life really got turned upside down in the most beautiful way. I gave away all my money. I walked away from my job. I broke up with um, the person I was dating who happened to be a man at that time and all sorts of stuff was going on. Anyway, my life changed. <clears throat> and, um, but I still had a couple rough edges, right? I still had some stuff that was being worked out and I still do. Um, but uh, at that time, something that had carried over from my season of rebellion was a Um, a deep affection (laughs) for smoking cigarettes, okay? And uh, I could not stop smoking cigarettes. I loved Jesus. 
I could not stop smoking cigarettes. The more I tried, the more I failed, the more condemned I got, the more frustrated I got, the more ashamed I got. Because I'm like, man, I am like, this should be something. I've walked away from so much stuff that's bigger. Why is this thing the thing I can't kick? And man, it became, in a weird way, an idol to me. The, not not the, the nicotine, not the cigarettes. The, the wrestle against it became an idol because somehow I started to believe that it was preventing me from receiving the love of God. I wouldn't have said that. I would have intellectually agreed with that, but I was beginning to live like that, right? And so <laughs> I'm like, I'd quit for a while, like a couple hours, and then I'd start again. <laughs> I'd drive in traffic and it would flare back up, you know. <clears throat> but uh, f- for several years, it was like that, you know. I'm in ministry, okay, and I still have this going on. And um, few people, I was walking in the light with few, but I was doing a real good job of like, you know, not letting that get near me. <laughs> you know, don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the whole thing. God, it was awful. It was such bondage. Anyway, um, and so <laughs> I was getting really raw with God one evening, wrestling with this thing that um, seemed bigger than me, wrestling with addiction. <clears throat> and in the middle of talking to God about cigarettes, he interrupted me and he said, Kevin, well, he said, Kev, Kev, why do you hate yourself so much? <laughs> and I said, I don't hate myself. What are you talking about? I love myself. I don't hate myself. Don't argue with God. <laughs> and he said, no, Kev, why do you hate yourself so much? And suddenly I had a thought that I had never thought about before, that I knew what cigarettes did to my physical body, and that um, somehow self-hatred had taken root in my heart some way, somehow that was positioning me to continue in something that ultimately would kill me. It was suicide stretched out over decades. And all of a sudden, the gravity and weight of that hit my heart. And I began to repent, not of the addiction, but of the root. Lord, I've hated myself. And I don't even know where or what or how, but there's something in me that I've rejected, something in me that, I'm, that I have shame about, something. And I don't know what to do about that. That's too big for me. I don't even know how to find it, you know, let alone deal with it. And he said, Kev, um, would you let me love the places you've hated? And I sit in my bathroom, and I looked in the mirror, just ugly crying. (laughs) Ever done that? You're like, God, I look awful, man. Just ugly crying as God uncovered parts of my history, parts of my personality, parts of my gifts, all sorts of stuff that um, circumstances, life, and the enemy had convinced me were not good, um, that I had rejected and that I didn't like about myself, and I let the Lord love me. In fact, as he was doing this, I even went outside and smoked a cigarette, and then he continued to love me. He washed me. And something happened to me. I woke up the next morning, and I was free from that addiction. 
not because I went after the addiction, but because I received grace. Now, here's the thing. We try to apply, the, apply grace in the form of power to change the things that we think are the problem outside of first receiving grace that is the unearned pleasure of God, and it does not work that way. This is the mystery of grace, that God's grace, unearned, unmerited pleasure, delight, acceptance, and love, when received by faith, is transformed within us to become the substance of power that sanctifies us. But we have to receive his delight in order, this is kind of, this would be a way that I would say it. Grace is the free gift of the Father's delight, which becomes the dunamis power at work within us. Philippians 2.13 says that it is him in us that works in us to will and to do what? In accordance to his pleasure. When we receive the pleasure of God as free as it is, somehow his pleasure becomes power that works on our behalf, that works in us, that works for us, that works through us. And so if there's something going on in your life, there's a hang-up, a situation, we all have those things. This is the beauty of being a child. We're growing. We're maturing. We're always, we never arrive. There's always something that he's wanting to tweak to make it look more like himself. But if you find yourself in that cycle and you feel like you've done everything you've known how to do and you did the steps and you read the books and you've quoted the scriptures and you've used the Bible like a mantra and you just keep going after all the things and doing and doing, I would propose to you, maybe you're not successful because you have not allowed yourself to receive the delight of God in the midst of your mess and weakness. I I am weak, so weak, so aware of my weakness, (laughs) always. I I joke with my team uh, that my most frequent prayer is, help, help, help. I have no idea what I'm doing 99% of the time. Um, but I've changed it recently to that my, my prayer isn't just help, help, help. It's help, 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 ha, ha, ha. Because there's something about being rooted and established in grace that makes us encouraged and emboldened to admit that we need more than we currently are possessing. But it also makes us joyful because we know that more is available and not just available, but been given already and promised to increase. Um, So I would say this to you. Grace is yours in abundance. He sees you more than you see yourself. He loves you. He accepts you in himself because of himself. Be freed from you to simply be loved by God. I wrote down, he enjoys who you are in the midst of exactly where you are. His affection isn't waiting to arrive when you try to figure out how to. His acceptance isn't up to you because he chose you first. His love isn't on hold until you have it together. His delight is your deliverance and his pleasure is the power that will sanctify you. So grace is yours in abundance. We also have peace though. 
Um, oh, man, peace. Irene, um, again, that's not, it's similar to shalom. It's not merely the absence of conflict. Um, in fact, we're promised the opposite. In this life, you will have trouble. Um, but the most amazing thing is, is that somehow we're liberated above it all. Not that we're somehow robotic and unimmuned by it. Life can hurt, right? We will face trouble. There is suffering in life. It's just an unavoidable part of the human journey. And yet we have the blessing of peace, not just the absence of, but the presence of fullness. When Peter says that we are shares in the divine nature, that I mean, we don't even have time to really dive into that, but that is scandalous that we share, we are shares of the divine nature, that God's fullness is within us by his spirit. That is, oh my goodness gracious. But it's the presence of all goodness that we get to live in life, aware of, um, like children, that we really don't know what we're doing or how we got places or uh, how to handle situations, but we have a well of the peace of God by his presence within us that we get to pull from to find all the good we need in any and every situation. We lack nothing. This is the power of peace, that somehow there's this substance within us that quiets us, that puts us at rest. We're simply content, not because everything's all put together. We have everything that we thought that we should or life panned out exactly the way that we anticipated that it would or people just magically stop doing things that annoy us or what. No, but because this well of God himself is within us to drink from perpetually. That shalom, wholeness, is our portion. Man, if we, even scratching the surface of that, is mind-blowing. That we can be people of peace that not only receive it for ourselves, but impart it. You know, Jesus told his disciples, when you go into a home, release your peace. And if it's received, let it stay, which is crazy. Have you guys ever experimented with that? I challenge you to become aware, commune with the Lord, become aware of the presence of the Prince of Peace within you. Meditate on his word and then go someplace kooky, someplace loud, someplace noisy, someplace where sin abounds and release your peace. Open your eyes and watch what happens. It's really interesting. Social experiment, there you go. To partake in God's nature is to share in his rest. It's to trust in his completeness. It's to embrace his wholeness inside of you and to increasingly release his fullness into every area of your life and the lives of those around you. To partake of his nature is to become a mobile garden of Eden (laughs) where you're invited to participate in subduing anxiety and fear with his love. Oh, Man, we get to be those people, mobile gardens, when someone's tweaking out, all bent out of shape, and they get to sit down with us, and somehow they don't fully know why, and it's not even because we say the right thing, or even know what to say, 
but because there's a substance of a person within us that we get to release as we receive. We get to redeem time and redeem creation by his might as sons and daughters. Duh. Yeah, I need to practice that more in our backyard. We need to subdue the garden, babe. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's subduing us. We get to expand the rule and reign of his kingdom by being conduits of peace and carriers of wholeness. Um, this is our portion. This is our invitation. This is our inheritance um, to be people, to be peacemakers, peace sowers. You're a, a seed that can bear the fruits of peace, the lives of others. Um, and so I would say this to you, if you're in the midst of anxieties and worries, if you're heavy laden, if you're, if you're tired, then be blessed. Peace is yours in abundance according to the knowledge of God. All he has and all that he is has been shared with you already. Be at rest. You have what you need when you need it. He richly supplies all that's required and we labor with the energy that he provides. Be at rest on the inside because he's enough and be prepared to advance because there is so much more to lay hold of. A mature faith, um, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're, gosh, okay, we haven't even really scratched the surface. <laughs> Uh-oh, um, <laughs> um, okay, well, let's do this. I'm not gonna try to get through it all because I don't wanna, that's, there's no point to do that. Um, this is enough. <laughs> Enacted lesson. Um, Grace and peace. I want to pray. I want us to pray for two groups of people. Um, if you would be so bold, if shame is louder to you than the pleasure of God, as, as you sit in this room, as you've heard things said, if there's a part of you that's like, God, I hope that's true. I wish that was true if you've been thinking about yourself more than you've been thinking about the one we've been looking at, um, I want to invite you to stand and we want to pray for God to release his grace on you, to fill you with his divine pleasure, which will become power for you. If there is someone standing, um, let's gather around and simply lay a hand. We don't need to prophesy or pray just yet. We get to release grace onto each other. But I want to invite you I want to invite you into the gift of repentance not from the things that are being held over your head, but repenting, turning from looking at yourself to looking at God. That his truth about you is the truth of you. Holy Spirit, God of grace, we receive you now. Would you liberate those that you purchased 
your prized possession, your children? Would you whisper like you've done to me so many times over again? That you see them, that you accept them, that you're with them, that they're not merely tolerated, but delighted in, wanted, cherished, prized. Thank you that every time we lose our gaze and look to ourselves or the things of the earth and suddenly become aware that we've lost sight of you, the moment that we look to you, we see that your eyes have been upon us the entire time that your face is fixed upon us. May we see the countenance. It's not just that you're looking, but that your countenance is beaming because you see us washed by the blood of the spotless lamb of God. Thank you that there is liberty from striving. There is liberty from comparison. There is liberty from heaviness. There is liberty from themselves to be liberated, not just from stuff, but into things, into inheritance, into the riches of glory, into peace, unsearchable and full of glory. When we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, not just that Jesus is Lord, he is indeed Lord. But when we bring into the light, Ephesians 5 says, all that is brought into the light is made visible, but it doesn't end with visibility. It says, and all that's made visible becomes light. And so simply confess, Lord, I have made more of my behavior, of my habits, my hangups than I have of your nature as the God of grace. And I repent and I magnify you as the gracious one over my life, over my addictions, over my habits, over my behavior, over my emotions, over my relationships. And I receive washing by the water of your words of delight over me. Let your pleasure become power for us, Lord, so that we might will and do according to your pleasure. Thank you, Jesus. I want to encourage you if you, um, if there's something you've been holding on to in the shadows because shame's lied to you <laughs> and told you if, if people only knew, then in, in light of his love, I want to implore you to bring that into the light to confess to a brother, sister, a pastor here. Uh, I'll invite the ministry team up. Bring that into the light. You don't need to carry that heaviness anymore. You don't need to carry it around with you. And then lastly, I just want to pray for peace. Um, I specifically felt, this is very odd, and so I'm going to kind of go with it, but I felt that he wanted to bless with peace those in that work within like the construction business. Um, that there's something about, um, well, he said, I want to bless the builders with my peace to actually um, not only encounter his fullness within their business, but somehow construct 
places of peace. I'm not fully sure I understand all of it, but if you work in construction, if you're a contractor, um, an architect, if you would stand, awesome. And let's put, oh, Casey, I forgot you do that. That's funny. Um, <laughs> um, and let's, let's lay hands and release peace. Let's be the body. We release the peace of God over you, son and daughter. Thank you that you've anointed these minds and these hands to build. Father, we ask that you would prosper them as their soul prospers. Lord, if there's been hurdles, I, I hear a play on words, construction. And I feel like maybe there's been some stuff where there's been, I don't know, almost even like legal stuff where maybe a, a client or another company has gone after you, said all kinds of evil things, false accusations. There's, there's resistance somewhere that we release the peace of God over your building, over your construction business, over your work. We thank you that the first full, first man filled with the Spirit was one who did this, just this, Bezalel, who created and designed the temple. And so we ask that you would fill these men and women with your peace, not to be on the defensive or the offensive, but to be at rest in your peace, Lord. And I just release that over anyone who's, who's facing false accusation, strife, persecution in the form of people being jerks to you <laughs> in the workplace, a spouse, a family member. I release the peace of God. Be liberated. You don't have to defend you. And you don't have to prove anything. Your rest is your guard. Peace is a shield that actually will go before you and prepare the way and cleanse it for you. Receive his peace. We love you, Jesus. Jesus.